Hello and welcome to the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet Peace podcast. In the next few episodes, I will share audio chapters of book one of the Peter the Water Dog Saves the Planet book series titled One More Year. I hope you enjoy this story with a message to keep your stuff longer, even if it's just one more year, and in doing so, buy less stuff. Please enjoy chapters 21 through 25 of One More Year, Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet, Primer 1. Chapter 21, Mid-Century Modern 1962 Steel Case Tanker Desk. Graham, Tilly, and the dog step out of the boat onto the Sandglass Marina dock. Roxy and Pedro stay close to each other, walking side by side on their leashes. They cross the street to City Hall, a regal brick structure built in 1909. Sorry, no dogs, a security guard says abruptly as they attempt to enter the building. They step back outside and see two boys playing across the street. Hey guys, I'll pay you five bucks each to play with their dogs for about 20 minutes, Graham hollers. Sure. Graham and Tilly enter the building again. We're here to see the mayor. He's at lunch, the guard says. We'll wait, thanks. Tilly responds politely. We have some time to kill. Let's sit over here and talk about your training, Graham says as he walks to a bench outside the mayor's office. Okay. First of all, you should know that all the coaching experience I have is from coaching I've received, not given. Okay. Second, I'll have some opinions and resources for your swimming and running, but I don't know much about that from a technical standpoint. Got it. Lastly, I'd like to know the reason you want to do this. It may help me help you. All right, Tilly nodded. Graham pauses. Would you like to tell me now? No, not now. Okay, but I do need to tell you something important. I'm listening. I have a head coach. You'll be reporting to her. Graham raises his eyebrows surprised. You do, do you? Liz made it sound as though you were on your own. Sounds like you don't really need me, Graham looks disappointed. You can't work for someone else? I'm a bit of a hard-headed loner. Her name's Camus, and she's easy to get along with, especially if you like beer, tequila, and whistles. Well, I like beer and tequila, but whistles? She's my friend. She's more of an agent than a head trainer, but she's always looking out for my best interests. She's been with me forever, and she can run. Hmm. All I ask is that you're respectful of her ideas, Tilly pauses. It would also be quite helpful if you were a tad deferential. Deferential, huh? I'll try to manage that. Thank you. So what do you know about the Iron Man, Graham asks. I know it's 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles of cycling, and a 26-mile run. Anything else? I know there's a series of competitions across the planet that only the top athletes qualify to compete in Kona. Is your goal Kona? My goal is to swim my best and improve in the other sports. I don't think I have to do that in Kona. Good. Nice kids like you can get burned out or worse yet hurt with unrealistic goals. You don't think I can get to Kona? Tilly asks. I like that you want to do your best. Let's just leave it at that. Tilly feels perturbed at what seems to be doubts about her abilities. After a pause, she says, 
You should know that I don't have any money to pay you or buy a bike. The handsome 33-year-old mayor wearing jeans and a tweed blazer over a polo shirt walks through the door with a quick step, interrupting them. Tilly, how are you? The mayor says as he kisses her on the cheek. And Graham, you're on the mainland. So nice to see you both. Mayor, we need your help, Graham says. Sure, come sit, he says warmly as he motions them into the office. Tilly and Graham sit down in front of the mayor's desk. What's up? Why don't you tell the mayor, Tilly? Sure. Patrick, I mean mayor, there's logging going on just above the Kootenai Sacred Grounds off Blue Lightning Road. Bear visited, and there's soon going to be logging an extremely steep hill that could slide. Bear came to see me about this, too. It's serious, Tilly adds in a passionate tone. Mayor, if there's a slide, part of the town is right in its path, Graham adds. After we're done here, I'll call the logging company to get to the bottom of this. Can you issue an order for them to stop, at least until they produce the permit? I would need to get a judge to do that, but if I don't have it by five tonight, I'll call Judge Clark first thing in the morning. Thanks, Pat, Graham says. You're welcome. The mayor shakes hands with Graham and gives Tilly another kiss on the cheek goodbye. They walk outside and cross the street to pay the boys and retrieve the dogs. Thanks for that, Graham, Tilly says as they walk back to the marina. When do we start cycling? Let's meet on Saturday. I'll work on finding you a bike. Okay, where should I meet you? Meet me at Sylvester Bay at 8 a.m. There's a large grassy area near the main parking lot at the boat launch. Okay, can you get home from here? I'll take your board to the marina for you. Sure. Graham leans down and speaks quietly to Pedro as he pets him. I saw that near miss with the boat today. Good dog. Graham calls. Let's go, Rox. Roxy reluctantly walks away with Graham looking back at Pedro. Tilly smiles. Hey, what's going on up at Blue Lightning? I've had two visits today from citizens telling me you're logging a site that should be off limits. The mayor says firmly into his cell phone. He listens. What do you mean, never mind? They say that your logging mess is going to end up on top of the city, he continues, raising his voice. He speaks louder, his face reddening. Email me the permit by 5 p.m. tonight, or I'll ask Judge Clark to shut you down tomorrow. No later than 5. He ends the call angrily, and his phone drops onto his mid-century metal desk with a loud bang. He picks it up, stuffs it into his backpack, then grabs his bike that is resting against the wall. He walks out, slamming the door behind him. Gary drives a large pickup truck on Blue Lightning Road. His son, Dust, a young man in his 20s with brown hair and a buzz cut, wearing a logger helmet with screen mesh face cover and earmuffs and a t-shirt that reads, Trees Make Big Houses, under his long sleeve flannel shirt, sits in the passenger seat. Gary picks up his phone as the truck maneuvers the bumpy, rutted road. Judge, we'll have your logs to your home site by tomorrow. Chapter 22, Blue and White, 1954-15-foot, Fallbot, Carefree, Travel Craft Kayak. Tilly walks from the marina to Heaven's Brothers Coffee Shop. Her excitement about learning to cycle helps soften her worries about the logging activity a bit. She enters the cafe and sees Chemist reading quietly with a cup of tea. My, my, this is a first. I just went into the 519 expecting to see you winning a game of pool, but here you are reading at four in the afternoon with a cup of tea. Did you know that Paula Newby Fraser won the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii eight times from 
1986 to 1996 and was known as the Queen of Kona? Really? No, I didn't. Do you want to go to Kona? Cam, I don't know anything about any of that yet. There's a slight chance I might be up to the challenge in swimming because I did pretty well in some high school races, but I don't even know if I'm fast enough in that sport, let alone the running or the cycling. I have something to tell you. Camus continues reading her book. Cam, I'm trying to tell you something important. Sorry, shoot. I met the old cycling dude out on the lake today. I was swimming this morning and he came up to me in his old school kayak. He's going to coach me. Really? That's awesome. She turns concerned. You told him I'm your head coach though, right? Of course. You're in charge. He admits that he's not very up on swimming or running. When do we start? 8 a.m. Saturday at Sylvester Bay, Tilly answers excitedly. That's kind of a weird spot and early. Yep. If this guy's nuts, we can fire him. I think he might be nuts, but in a good way. Kind of like your brand of nuts, Tilly says with a smile. Hey, Camus laughs. I'm running to the marina to get my truck. Do you want a ride? I need the run. P already had a long swim. Can you drop him at my house? Sure, Camus says as she leans down to give him a hug. I'm off, Tilly says as she runs out the door. Be safe, Camus calls out. Come on, handsome. Let's go get a beer before we go home. Boys like girls with a dog. You can be my wingman. Tilly runs through the wooded trails along the lake with the water glowing under the late afternoon sun. She listens to a contemporary folk song with her headphones in one ear as she runs. She hums at first, then sings the words out loud as her breath falls in time with her steps and the rhythm of her pace. She runs at a good clip, which requires agility as the trail twists and turns with many stones. Her light singing turns into her full voice as she arrives at the overlook. She stops, looks out over the water, still sweetly singing the song. The words of the song meld into a Native American chant. She closes her eyes and her body sways with the breeze and the music, and she lifts her arms to the sky. Thank you, she says as she looks upwards. Tilly arrives to Ike's boat and gives a loud shout. Ike! Ike is sound asleep, sunken into his chair, surrounded by books on the deck. He wakes, startled. Suerte, sleeping nearby, jumps into the air and runs into the cabin out of sight. Tilly, he says happily. I want to thank you for going to see Bear. He went to see Mayor Pat, and I did too. We'll know more tomorrow morning. Sorry to wake you so suddenly. No, no, don't be sorry. I'm so happy to get the update. Ike, this isn't over yet. We may need your help again. You know, I'm a solitary guy and generally keep to myself, but I don't have a pirate's flag for nothing. You just let me know if you need help. I will. Thanks, Ike. It's been a long day. I'm getting my truck and heading home to get P and to sleep. Sleep well, Princess T. They hug and Tilly runs to her truck as Ike watches her protectively from the boat. Suerte jumps back into Ike's lap and purrs. Tilly arrives home. Her tiny cottage sits on a hill with views of both the town and the lake. Her belongings are well organized and her house clean, except for some stray dog toys. She throws her keys into a bowl on the counter and calls for Pedro in the backyard. He doesn't come. She walks back onto the front deck overlooking the lights of the small town as she dials Camus. Where's my baby? He's here. Time to come home, coach. It's nine. Nine is early. Not for a dog and not for a coach. Really? Really. 
Okay, let me unwrap the gorgeous eligible Idaho bachelors from me and we'll head home, she says sitting alone, not a man from any state in the lower 48 or Alaska or Hawaii in sight. Now, please. Tilly waits for Pedro as she listens to music on the deck. Camus pulls up, honks, waves, and then opens the door for Pedro. He bounds up the steps of the porch to Tilly. Tilly waves and shouts, Thanks, see you in the morning. Tilly texts, Sylvester Bay, tomorrow 8 a.m., set your alarm. Camus texts back, got it, heart. The sun rises over Lake Bijouness as Mayor Patrick walks to Heaven Brothers for his morning coffee. He says hello to the people there before he walks back to his office. He sits down at his chair, opens his laptop, scrolls for a few seconds, and shakes his head in frustration. He walks over to the fax machine. Nothing. He looks at his phone again for messages. Damn. He dials. Hello, Your Honor. How are you today? I'm calling to request an urgent meeting with you for an injunction. Patrick listens. Oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't ask if it wasn't critical. I've never asked before. Patrick listens. No, sir. Tomorrow morning will be too late. I'm so sorry that you have a tea time at Bijanes Resort. I know how expensive that is. I can drive to you if need be. Patrick grimaces. No, sir. The ramifications of waiting are potentially a landslide like that which took place in Oso a few years ago. There's also a Native American sacred area that may be affected. He sighs heavily. No, sir. That's not the only consideration. The grade of the site is too steep and historically unstable. If it slides, it'll come down on about 35 homes. Patrick listens. No, we don't have a report. Extremely frustrated, running out of steam, his speech slows. You can't stop it now because of your tea time? The line is silent. Judge Clark? Judge? Hello? Hello? Patrick slams his fist down on the desk. Chapter 23 Upcycled Suitcase 2010 Thumpcase Renegade One Mobile Party Bluetooth Boombox Tilly, Camus, and Pedro pull into the Sylvester Bay parking lot in Tilly's truck. There is a grassy park overlooking the sparkling lake. In the distance, two pickup trucks idle near the boat ramp, waiting to lower their boats into the water to fish. The bike guys all have well-kept northern Idaho beards except for Reeve, who is clean-shaven. Clad in their mountain bike shorts and full of healthy athleticism, they stand next to Graham and a van parked near the grass. Josh is black, late 20s, and wears a Greta Thunberg There Is No Planet B t-shirt. Cutter, the tallest of the group at 6'2", wears a beanie over his bright red hair. Joe, in his early 20s, has dark wavy hair and wears jeans with a hoodie sweatshirt. Years of water and mountain outdoor adventures forge their bond. Good morning, Graham says as he extends his hand. You must be Camus. Nice to meet you. Camus grabs Graham's hand and shakes it in an awkward, businesslike fashion. These are my good friends, Reeve, Josh, Cutter, and Joe. We know these guys, Camus laughs as she punches Josh in the arm. Ow! Josh laughs and pretends to be hurt. Oh, good. Guys, get the bikes out of the van. Reeve, hang out here with us, please. Graham leads them to a picnic table and sits down, motioning for the others to sit. I want to sit. Graham stops himself, then looks at Camus. Propose some ground rules for training, if that's okay. 
Tilly and Camus nod. This is your training, Tilly. Whose else would it be? Camus asks with a sarcastic tone. Tilly shakes her head at Camus. I mean that you'll improve based on your perceived effort. That's how it works. That effort will decrease naturally as you get stronger. I'll propose a framework for your training, and it'll include intense periods, and it will also include rest. Sometimes the rest isn't as easy as it sounds, though, because you may become caught up in the feeling of improving and thinking that by doing more, you'll be improving more. It doesn't work that way. The girls look curious. Reeve, whose t-shirt reads, Mountain biking is not a crime, a handsome man in his late 40s with a face weathered by the sun, nods in agreement and respect. Graham continues, So when we schedule a rest day, that does not mean swimming one mile instead of five, or running 10 miles instead of 25, it means rest. Rest, okay, Tilly responds. Great. One more thing right now. I'll use Brava to track your time and distances, but I don't want you logging into it to compare yourself to other athletes. What's Brava? That's good. You won't miss it then. Here's a GPS watch. Reeve will help you figure it out if you need help. Graham sees the guys walking up. Here come the bikes. Tilly and Chemist look up in excitement. Their faces turn to confusion. What in the world? Those are funky fixies, Chemis says, her face scrunched. Yep. What's that on the wheels? Each wheel has a cover over its spokes. You'll see. Put on the knee pads and gloves, please. Tilly has ridden a bike before, Chemis says, clearly annoyed. Cam, Tilly says firmly with a do-as-he-ass look. Reluctantly, Camus puts on the knee pads and gloves and gets on the bike. This one seems good. She says, resigned. Reeve walks a bike over to Tilly and she gets on. He adjusts the seat a bit. She smiles broadly in anticipation. Ready? The group rides over the grass to the tennis court, which has the net removed and orange cones marking goals at each end. They all stand circling Graham with the bikes. The bicycle. The greatest invention of all time, Graham says reverently. He picks up mallets lying on the court and distributes one to each of them. The girls look surprised. Josh rides to the edge of the court and without stopping pushes a button on a custom boombox that has been retrofitted within a vintage suitcase. The upbeat rock music heightens the excitement. Bike polo. It's a simple concept. Pass the ball to your teammate, score a goal, and don't be afraid to bump into your competitors a little, Graham instructs. What? Bump into the other bikes? What is this? Camus questions pointedly. Tilly whispers, Cam, shush, she promised. Graham continues, Cycling is about confidence, and that means not being afraid of some contact. Camus and Tilly, pick your teams. Camus, you're first. Reeve, Camus calls out. Tilly follows. Graham, I'm out because we're only seven. Graham looks up, pauses. Wait, who's that I see? They all look up to see Ike riding in on a bike. He takes a spin around the parking lot with the music blaring in the background, then skids up to the group. They laugh. Glad you're here, man, Reeve says, giving him a pat on the back. I heard there might be a game with some newbies. Reeve grabs a mallet and wheel covers from the van and hands them to Ike. I choose Ike, Camus continues picking teams. Joe. Cutter, Camus says, smiling at him. Josh. Tilly finishes. Just like grade school, always the last one picked. 
Pedro, who has been following Tilly around, now jumps excitedly, seeing something fun is about to happen. Tilly ties him up on the edge of the court. He whimpers a little, then lies down in resignation. Okay, Team Tilly, Joe, Josh, me, Captain Camus, Ike, Cutter, Reeve. The basic rules are as follows. If you set a hand or foot on the ground, you're out of play until you ride around and ring the bell at the side of the court. You can shuffle the ball during play, but goals can only be scored from a hit using the round end of the mallet. Shuffle? Tilly asks. Hitting the ball with the side of the mallet, Cutter answers. Graham nods. Count the score out loud. Light contact is allowed. Mallet to mallet, bike to bike, player to player. No mallet to bike, player to bike, bike to player, mallet to teeth. The group laughs. Throwing of mallets is never allowed, Graham continues. The guys shake their heads no. Trash talking is always allowed. The guys nod their heads and laugh. Graham puts the round, hard plastic ball, the same type used in street hockey, down on the center line of the court. The players ride to opposite sides. Tilly and Camus look apprehensive. Tilly smiles through the nervousness, and while Camus still looks skeptical, she is not about to let her doubt limit her competitiveness. Get ready, Graham shouts. Three, two, one, go. To the sound of rhythmic rock and roll, the bikes circle each other in the ball. The guys move the ball towards the goal, smoothly passing back and forth to each other. They are skillful and can stop their bikes on a dime to maneuver a turn or hit the ball. Tilly is tentative, staying back away from the ball. Cutter scores. Kama swoops. Go team! Tilly's competitive nature is quickly sparked. She rides up alongside Camus to hit the ball and bumps her. Hey, foul play! Camus shouts with a smile. Tilly continues to ride, drawing on her ice hockey skills to hit the balls to Josh. He swings and strikes the ball skillfully through the goal to score. 1-1, Josh yells. Yes! Tilly shouts, raising a fist to the sky. Graham laughs, enjoying the girls' competitiveness and close friendship. Play continues. Ike does some clever bike tricks, wheelies, spinning in place slowly, and a few behind-the-back shots. Reef passes Ike the ball. Ike makes an exuberant swerve to reach it and bumps into Tilly. Tilly falls off her bike and crashes onto the ground. Please stops. Brush it off, Graham says. Brush it off, sister, Camus repeats. I'm good, Tilly says, hopping back on her bike. Can't win an Ironman if you fall off your bike, Camus teases. Can't coach a flea if you're watching my team's bums all game. They all laugh and play continues. After the game, the group gathers around a picnic table for lunch on the lawn. Cutter and Joe sit on the grass and Ike, Reeve, and Josh stand near the table filled with a spread of sandwiches, chopped veggies, beer, and ginger beer. How in the world did you learn bike polo? Tilly asks Graham. Well, as you can see, it's not brain surgery. I guess not, Tilly laughs. I played during grad school in Seattle for a team called 206. I had a couple of bike messenger friends who started it up there, but it's been around since at least the late 1800s. Wow, you are old, Camus teases. Not as old as Ike, Graham smiles. Ike overhears, laughs, and shakes his head. What Ironman are you shooting for, Tilly? Reeve asks. I'm not. Camus interrupts. We haven't decided. Maybe Coeur d'Alene in June? That's a half. A good goal. Reeve says. Reeve and Graham look at Tilly for a response. She pauses, thinking. After a bit, she says, I want to do a full Ironman. You're just getting started, Camus responds. 
The other guys who had been in conversation stopped to listen. What are the distances again, chemist challenges? You know them, Tilly responds firmly. Yeah, I just want to make sure you know. 2.4 swim, 112 cycle, 26.2 run. Gosh, Tilly, you're already doing those distances swimming and running. You can do the full, Reeve says encouragingly. Thanks, Reeve. Tilly gives Camus a pointed I told you so look. I'm nervous, but I'm going to do it anyway. Tilly turns to Graham. Here's my why. She takes a deep breath. I want to send a message for one more year. I want Liz to make a kit for me that says, keep your stuff longer, people. We need to stop all of this crazy overconsumption. The guys nod their approval. Tilly continues with a serious look. I don't want to sponsor. Even if only one person notices and asks what my jersey means, that would mean something. Nice, Reeves says. Right on, Cutter agrees. Ike looks proud and gives her the thumbs up. You go, girl. It will be harder to raise money for what you need without traditional sponsors, but I think we can manage, Graham says. I can put together a training bike for you from some used parts at the shop. You'll need a competition bike, but at least it'll get you training, Reeve offers. Thanks, Reeve. Yeah, thanks, Reeve, Camus adds. Tilly, you certainly do need some meaning in your life since you lost to Captain Camus in bike polo. Everyone but Graham laughs as Camus embraces Tilly in a big hug. Love you, sister. Graham looks away over the lake. Let's pack up, gentlemen. Graham turns to Tilly. A good goal for you is Banff in May. Tilly looks surprised. Okay. She leans down and hugs Pedro, who has been sitting at her feet, patiently waiting for a snack. She whispers in his ear, We're going to Banff, big guy. Chapter 24 Antique Melior French Press with Bake Light Handle The morning light streams into Graham's bedroom as he sleeps. Roxy jumps onto the bed. He sits up quickly and leaps out of bed in his boxer shorts. That's right, girl. Let's get to work. Graham pours Heaven's Brothers coffee beans into the grinder on the counter, and the loud noise makes Roxy jump as it does every morning. He pours steaming hot water over the grounds into an old mid-century French pour-over glass vessel and looks out over the lake. When he sees Tilly swimming, he shakes his head. That girl sure is committed. Graham takes a slow sip of coffee, still watching Tilly. He sets the coffee down and walks to his closet to dress. His strong arms reach down to pull up the cycling shorts Liz made for him. Wow, these are so soft, Roxy. Velvet alpaca in my shorts. Roxy looks away with a little whimper, embarrassed. Let's warm up, girl. With headphones on, Graham spins quickly on the trainer as he watches Tilly swim. His phone vibrates. Hi, Bill. Good morning. What are you up to? I'm on my trainer. I like it. Just warming up. I've decided to train Tilly. I'm meeting her for our first road ride today. Terrific. I'm a little nervous. What's she riding? Do you remember Reeve? Owns the custom bike shop, right? Yes, great guy. He put a used bike together for her because she doesn't have money for a bike. It's just a training bike. Well, if she's any good, you should be able to find a sponsor or two. She doesn't want to ride for a sponsor. Why is that? She wants to promote a cause instead. Well, that would be a first. What cause? I don't know all the details, but it has something to do with curbing our overconsumption. 
She has a clever slogan, one more year, asking people to keep their stuff longer instead of buying something new. Hmm, naive, but interesting. There have been some equally naive ideas that have changed the world. Listen to you, all idealistic. He who was Mr. Cynical only yesterday. I know. She's definitely had an effect on me. I can see that. It's a good effect. I might know someone who would sponsor that cause. I can't guarantee it, but I'll make a call. Thanks, Bill. Graham, take it easy on her. What do you mean? This is not only training Tilly, but you getting back on your bike. Try to remember, it's only a bike. That will never be true. How are run and swim times? I know she has endurance because her distances are long. I'll know more about her time soon. I kayaked up to her a couple of days ago and she was so strong. Liz has seen her running. How's Liz, by the way? I haven't spoken with her since the dinner fiasco. Jackass. I know. Just apologize and let her know you listened and are training Tilly. She was pretty mad. Ask her out, please. You and Liz are perfect for each other. You lost her once. Don't lose her again. Silence. Graham. I gotta run, Graham says as he spins faster and looks back out over the lake. Rox, you need to stay home today. Graham leaves Roxy on the dock and starts his boat. As he travels across the lake, a song comes on the radio that makes him think of Liz, and he looks down at his alpaca jersey. He slows the boat to an idle, then turns off the engine. He picks up his cell phone. Liz is sitting on the front porch of the store drinking a tea. She answers her phone. I'm sorry. Tilly is standing on the dock with a bike that Reeve built for her as Graham arrives. I'm nervous about these shoes. You should be, Graham responds. Tilly looks serious. Just kidding. This is our first lesson and we'll take it easy. You'll have it down in no time. Tilly and Graham walk to the marina parking lot with their bikes. Pick a foot to be the one you land on each time you stop. I use my right. I pick my right too. Okay, now watch me. Graham pushes off, sliding his toes into the pedals smoothly. As you're coming to a stop, well, before you stop, Slide your right heel firmly out to unclip, and then when you come to a stop, concentrate on making sure your weight is to the right and then step down on that foot. I might fall. Yes, you might. You'll fall if you forget to unclip or you put your balance to the left over the clipped-in foot. Rest assured, you'll fall at some point, but it will become second nature. Even when it is second nature, we all still have spills from not paying attention. Just make sure it's not into a busy road of traffic. Yikes. Let me hold your bike while you practice clipping in and out a few times. Graham holds her bike until he practices putting her shoes in and out of the pedal clips. I think I'm ready, she says hesitantly. Tilly rides slowly through the parking lot, diligently practicing starting and stopping. She becomes smoother and more confident with each attempt. Good job. Can we ride now? Tilly asks as she rides past Graham slowly. Graham catches up to her. Follow me and try to keep the same cadence. What's cadence? It's the speed of the rotation of the legs, how fast or slow I'm spinning. Graham leads as they ride through the winding roads around the lake for about five miles. Tilly observes Graham carefully, matching his body and feet positioning as he takes turns and climbs and descends. Can we go faster? She shouts. This is our first day out. It feels too slow, she says, drawing the words out to emphasize her point. 
Okay, but keep your eye out for potholes, dear, cars passing. Tilly pulls ahead and away before she hears the rest of his warning. She starts to build some distance between the two of them, but Graham speeds up and they take turns leading, riding fast up and down the hills around the lake. After several miles, they come upon a narrow stretch of roadway. Vehicles slow behind them before passing at a safe distance. A roar sounds from two large logging trucks as they approach from behind. Graham sees Tilly begin to slow down. Tilly feels her face flush as she does her best to focus on the painted white line along the right side of the road and ignore the trucks just behind her. She rides the shoulder, careful not to drift too far, which would cause her tire to catch on the edge of the pavement and her to fall into the road. The first truck passes, its draft nearly pushes Tilly over, and the screaming engine smothers the sounds of birds and trees. She sees a pullout and turns into it quickly to stop. She closes her eyes in a grimace and flashes back to an image of a man and a woman riding happily on a lakeside road. Are you okay? Graham calls as he pulls up beside her. He sees her pained face. Yes, yes, Tilly takes a deep breath. I'm fine. Will you lead for a bit? Of course, he says, stalling for a few moments to allow her to recompose. They ride on, Graham looking back frequently and eventually into town to the parking lot of Heaven's Brothers. Tilly unclips and comes to a graceful stop at the bike rack. Nice work. Chapter 25 More Demontan 2019 Recycled Plastic Water Bottle Skater Jacket Tilly steps off the porch of her cottage and shivers. She runs back to get a skate jacket designed by her younger brother that she'd found in a Spokane thrift shop. She's dressed in long mountain bike shorts, a t-shirt and sweater. She pulls her hair in a low ponytail, then dons her helmet and pulls on her favorite jacket. The colorful autumn leaves cover the street and wave to her from the neighborhood trees. Tilly calls to Pedro. P, let's go. Pedro comes running excitedly out of the house, skidding on the porch. Let's go get Cam. Tilly climbs onto her old-school mountain bike, a 1988 Yeti FRO with the chevron paint scheme. Pedro runs alongside through the quaint town of Sandglass to a cottage as cute and small as her own. Camus is on the front lawn with headphones in. She dances and sings exuberantly, not yet seeing her guests. Tilly laughs and joins her. Pedro, no stranger to dance, jumps up and down on the lawn. Camus is startled when she finally notices them. She laughs, takes one headphone out, gives it to Tilly, and they dance arm in arm until the song ends. Come on, slowpokes, we're going to be late, Camus says. Nah, we'll be fine if we ride fast. Shit. Camus grabs her backpack and gets on her bike to ride. Tilly pulls ahead. Slow down, for Christ's sake. I'm in training. I just had a cornmeal waffle. You ate a big meal before a ride? It's Sunday. I eat waffles on Sundays at the Twisted Kilt. You know, from the bearded dude with the food truck, with the kilt and the waffle iron. I'm not stopping when you toss your cookies. I mean waffles. I won't if you slow the hell down. Just a little. Where are we going? I'm not sure. Graham only told me that we're going to mountain bike with Liz. I thought Liz was mad at him. They must have made up. They arrive at the trailhead to find Graham and Liz already there, talking and laughing. Roxy quickly spots Pedro and races to kiss him with several licks. They bark playfully. Hi, beauties, Liz says happily and gives them both a hug and greeting. 
Girls, can you put a few things in your backpacks? Graham asks. Sure, Tilly and Camus say in unison. Liz and Graham pass them various food items Liz has brought for the picnic. They close up Liz's old Volkswagen van, unload two mountain bikes from the top, and strap their helmets on. Where are we going? Liz asks. Sherwood Forest, and then a surprise. Why are we mountain biking? Camus asks. You know Grandma's always mixing it up, Tilly says. That's it. I'm mixing it up. He smiles at Liz. Graham takes off first, and the others follow up the trail. The soundtrack of their ride would be an upbeat old-school rock song. How you feeling, Miss Waffle? Tilly turns around to ask Camus. Camus grimaces. I'm all right, she says unconvincingly. After riding for about a mile, several other riders pass them from the opposite direction. As one cyclist approaches, they hear a call. Tilly? It's Ike! Tilly exclaims. Hi, Ike! They stop and pull off the trail. You're off the boat, Tilly says. Yep, need to keep up my skills. They don't call me Love the Naro Carl for no reason. Who calls you that? Camus asks skeptically. No one really, but they would if they saw my moves. If a tree falls in the forest, Graham adds, exactly. They all laugh. Nice bike, Tilly. I can see you're the real deal, not some weight weenie. Thanks, Ike. What's new with the logging pricks, Ike? Graham asks. Graham, Liz admonishes, nodding towards Tilly and Camus. Sorry, girls. What's new with the logging bastards? He corrects. Liz rolls her eyes and tries to hide a smile. Looks like they're preparing to shut down for the winter. The assholes don't seem to be doing anything to protect the soil. Once it starts snowing, they won't be able to. Maybe Mayor Pat can force them to do some erosion control before the snow, Liz says. Maybe, but they haven't agreed to a single request yet, Tilly responds. We need to pray it's a dry spring when things melt, or it'll be a disaster, Graham adds. Tilly, I'll see you out on the water. Happy to see y'all, Ike says as he rides past. Ike puts a flourish on his departure, taking a little curve and the bump below with a loud yip and a yes ma'am. The four smile at their pirate friend on wheels and continue to ride up until they reach the end of the bike trail. They hide their bikes as a precaution against inquisitive bears and continue on foot. Beautiful round cloud formations float below the midday sun. Pedro and Roxy run ahead of the group, checking back again and again. A crystalline alpine lake appears with a sheer granite wall on one side and large, smooth, flat and round stones on the other. Snow still covers the top of the granite peak on the edge of the lake. This is so beautiful, Liz says to Graham. Not too shabby, Camus adds. There's a nice picnic spot over here. Graham says as he leads the three to a grassy area between the large rocks. They sit and each carefully open up their packs and lay the food out on a colorful plaid blanket. Liz, thanks for bringing all of this, Tilly says. Hey, how do you know that Liz brought it all? Graham teases. Tilly and Camus's hands rise to rest on their hips and they tilt their heads in a knowing shrug. Graham laughs. Yes, thank you, Liz. Graham kisses her on the cheek. Thank you for inviting me. I feel honored to be part of this training team. I brought the store's famous homemade cinnamon rolls, also some local bacon from San Glass Butcher that I cooked up this morning, and a frittata with spinach, kale, garlic, shallots, and goat cheese. Yum. Look, I have the beer and some bubbly splits. No wonder my pack was so heavy. Sorry, Camus, Liz says. I have orange juice, too, if you'd like a mimosa. 
I'll stick with beer. The four enjoy lighthearted conversation about training, hawks overhead, predictions on huckleberry harvest dates, and the tuba player in Camus's favorite band, Handmade Moments. Tilly asks Graham about his racing days, and he shares a fun story about riding through the Italian Alps with Liz as they enjoy the delicious food. It's warm. I'm going swimming, Tilly says abruptly. You'd swim even if it were freezing, Camus teases. You know me. Tilly walks to the lake and Camus follows. As Tilly pulls off her shorts, Camus pushes her in. Before Camus can get away, Tilly reaches out to grab her arm, pulling her in after her. They both laugh as they bounce up out of the water. Graham and Liz laugh too and the dogs bark along the shore. Pedro jumps in and swims to the girls, then barks at Roxy to jump in too. Go ahead, Rox, Graham encourages. She stays firmly rooted on the shore. The girls swim together with Pedro to the middle of the lake. Purr, it's too cold, Camus says. Swim faster, silly. That's what I'm supposed to say to you. They look up to see Graham and Liz kissing on the picnic blanket. I think we should split this, Jay, Camus says, and starts to swim back towards the shore. They get out of the water a little further down the shoreline. Quietly, they sneak around, pick up the packs, and write a note on top of the beer. We have the dog. See you later. Thanks for the picnic. They head down the path. Where did the girls go? Liz asks, looking around. Graham stands up and walks over to where they had gone into the water. He sees the note on the beer. Seems they've left us. They have the dogs, too. Those matchmakers. Graham walks back to Liz and turns some music on from his phone, a slow romantic song. Wow, that's quite technologically advanced of you. I did own a high-tech company, as you may recall. That doesn't mean you can operate an iPhone, she teased. He takes her hand as she stands up. They dance, holding each other close as the fall breeze rustles through the branches of the towering white and ponderosa pines. To be continued. Podcast music is Dalai Lama Riding a Bike by Javier Peque Rodriguez. A link to his music on Spotify and Bandcamp are in the show notes. Support messages of peace in the planet by joining my Patreon for as little as a cup of coffee per month at patreon.com. Just search Avis Kalbsbeck or Pedro the Water Dog to find me. Pedro the Water Dog Saves the Planet books 1 through 5 are available at all your favorite online bookstores or at avaskalfspec.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thank you again. Listen for the peace.